Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. Olympians are not necessarily millionaires. Very, very few of them are millionaires. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympics fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? Hello. It is back to school time. It is back to school. Back to cool. Let's not push it. <laughs> so yes, my daughter is back at school. So good wishes to all the children and parents. Right. Have restarted. Right. A little rough. Right. It's a little like being in the off season. And now we're back in the first competitions of the year, and they're not going so great. Oh, but you'll get back in the swing. I hope so. By the time it's time for like regionals and conference championships or state, you'll be you'll be acing it. I will be the pro at the lunchbox marathon. Right. And speaking of professional, one thing that's come up in the news a lot over the summer is uh, the topic of athlete sponsorship and athlete and sponsorship is what helps athletes remain professional and make a living at it. So it's been one of the things we've wanted to look at for a while. So especially in the Olympic world, sponsorship has been a widely discussed and debated topic for several Olympics. And that's all thanks to the IOC's Rule 40. So we wanted to learn more about this. And we talked with Carlos Groman. Carlos is a sports correspondent for Reuters, and he's based in Athens and Berlin and covers the Olympics, the IOC, and politics in sports. Take a listen. Well, Carlos, we're here to talk with you about Rule 40, and let's just start with the basics. What is Rule 40? Well, Rule 40 is, is a rule in the Olympic Charter that states that except if there is a permission by the IOC no competitor, coach, or official who takes part in the games may use his person, name, picture, or sports performance for advertising. So basically, for the entire Olympic period, which starts shortly before the actual games and ends with the games, athletes cannot use pictures of themselves to advertise or 
you know, promote products from personal sponsors. So they'll have to cease doing that during the Olympics. And that's been the case for many, many years. And that that's difficult because that, I mean, that's the prime time for the Olympians. This is where well, that's, their that's sponsors the get the that's pay the, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, Olympians are not necessarily millionaires. Very, very few of them are millionaires. You know, it's not like football or American football or basketball or baseball or, or hockey you know, athletics or weightlifting or, or, or fences or, you know, an archery. So there's many, many sports where, where people just earn a living. And uh, they wait for these Olympic moments, if they can make it to the Olympics, because the overwhelming percentage of Olympic participants take part in only one games in their career. So they're waiting for that opportunity to actually promote themselves and, and get more sponsors and, uh, and make more money, which is, you know, it's, which is understandable in, in any sport, really. So that's, that's what, what, what has been happening. So they can do that before that, but they can't do that during the Olympics, which is actually the moment when people see them on television and, and countries support their athletes and so on and so forth. The reason for, for doing that was that the IOC wanted to protect the Olympic brand, the Olympic logos, you know, control uh, the image of their own product, and protect also the sponsors who were paying for the event to take place. So that was the reason for, for Rule 40. So in the spring, there was a ruling from the German sports authority that was confusing to me as to where that German ruling actually came from. No, no, it was, it was, it was a group of German athletes had taken rule 40 to court in Germany and the German cartel office, which is, is, a, is a court overseeing uh, potential monopolies and cartels and all that ruled that this, uh, Rule 40 was going against athletes' rights in, in Germany and that they, they could use their image or use themselves to promote themselves during that Olympic period. That was a decision for German athletes alone because it was the, federal, the German federal cartel office that ruled on Rule 40. So they are now allowed to have a much greater freedom in, in how and when and why they will advertise during the Olympic Games. And in some cases, they can use low pictures from their competitions. There are certain, still certain restrictions, but certainly they can go and, and promote uh, their own sponsors during the Olympics, something that was not possible before. Right. The IOC can still protect its own trademarks and its own brand. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's, yeah, yes, it's it's not. It's not that these athletes, these German athletes, can now suddenly run in the Olympics wearing their sponsors' logos at the back of their shirts or anything. That that that's still the same. The general rules regarding sponsorship during the Olympics have not changed. But they can appear on German television, for example, promoting uh, a, a brand or a product that is not an Olympic sponsor. But it is their their personal sponsor in Germany, for example, or their personal sponsor internationally, but they can still appear on an advert on television or in on the internet, you know, promoting a different product that is completely unrelated to the Olympics. 
but using their image or their Olympic performances to promote that brand. So it is giving them a much wider scope of what they can do now compared to, to before. How did the IOC react to that? Well, first of all, given that it's a German decision, it, it, it's initially it, it uh, uh, concerns only German athletes. But given that it's an EU country, this, this decision essentially frees up other athletes from European Union member states to have the same claim as their German counterparts because there cannot be a national distinction regarding something that concerns employment or in sponsorship in this case and so on and so forth. What the IOC did, it said it is the NOCs now, the National Olympic Committees, that will have to agree on the framework with their athletes. So they've said find a, a, a solution nationally with each of your athletes' organizations. So that's where we're at at the moment. So the NOCs have to negotiate with the sports? With the athletes of what kind of new sort of uh, agreements they will have regarding sponsorship during the Olympics, just like the Germans had. Now, it may be in cases that in some countries it may not be the same kinds of liberties that German athletes have. You know, so it, it will depend on the deals that the NOCs do with their corresponding athletes. So who else or what other countries have issued new guidelines? Well, I don't know of any specific country that has come out publicly and said we've agreed this and this with our athletes. But it is a discussion that is widespread within the Olympic movement. And, of course, it is something that's being talked about by the major NOCs as well. Because let's not forget that, you know, the National Olympic Committees in some cases live off government funds, in some cases need uh, private funds and, and, and private sponsors to, to operate, just like uh, the USOC, for example. So it is a discussion that's, that's ongoing within the Olympic movement of how this will end up and how it will affect sponsorship also for the Olympics, because that's the other thing. If you're paying to have essentially exclusive rights to the Olympics and suddenly a group of athletes have their own little rights to do their own things with potentially competing brands, let's say, you know, it could be a drinks company, it could be a, an electronics company, it could be whatever, then the sponsor will turn to the IOC and say, well, your product is not as valuable as it was because now we've got athletes who can do that or who can do that and it's sort of uh, watering down the impact of of the games that i have as a sponsor have been waiting for have any of the official sponsors made any public statements no no okay. because it's not something it's not something that's that's decided it it concerns one specific territory and it, it is not something that uh, necessarily affects sponsors per se now, but it could be something that could affect them in the future. I'm seeing lawsuits galore coming. <laughs> because how do you, how do you, on that. <laughs> I mean, because if you're saying that, okay, you can't have different rules in the EU, you know, throughout the countries of the EU, that's a big 
chunk of athletes, especially for the winter games, even more so yes. than the summer games. Yes, and, it is. And, and in terms of medals, it's also the biggest group. So, so it's, it's also a lot of winners of medals. Right. And right. Not, only, so, not only participants in terms of numbers, because, you know, we're not seeing adverts or promotion of every single Olympian who takes part at the Games. You know, it's a, it's, it's a smaller group compared to, 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 to football or to, to, to the big sports, obviously. But it's still a, a group, if you count every single athlete who gets some sort of publicity in their country during the Olympics, whether through official sponsors or whether through their own sponsors well, well before the Olympics, you know, prior to the Olympic period, as was the case now. So, yes, but uh, Europe is, is obviously the big medals winner at the, at the Olympics if you count all the countries together. And there's no way American athletes aren't going to sue if they don't get... No, because if... I mean, I, if, I, I, I don't know... <laughs> or, or, I don't know See, that, I but, I'm, that but I'm saying it, it is an issue that has come up with American, especially with American athletes, for almost at almost every games when they expressed their frustration with rule 40 because it was uh, restricting their their own publicity right especially in those smaller sports that well even 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 athletics i mean uh, an athlete who takes part in the olympics and is from from one of the sort of minor or less successful european countries is not making a lot of money per year. You can't compare it with with the major athletes in, in athletics, or you know, the, or the runners, or the sprinters, or you know, a, a pole vaulter in parts of Europe is not is not making hundreds of thousands of, of euros a year. Is there any? You know, to me, this is a, a huge win for the athletes. You know, everybody was making money except for the athletes. But is there a downside to the athlete that I'm missing? Well, uh, the the downside is what the uh, what the IOC is saying that the sponsors that the IOC signs up are the ones who are contributing to the creation of the games, and you know, having a watered down message then has uh, people turning away from the games, and the games are less successful. You know, so there is a drawback for the athletes if Rule 40 doesn't exist because essentially it protects the athletes as well. That's what the IOC is saying by ensuring high-class competition during the Olympics through sponsorship, huh? through the contribution of sponsorship. It's not just sponsorship, but it's uh, you know, it's right. a big chunk. Of, yeah. and, and some of those sponsors do help athletes directly, but not very many, but the money that goes to the IOC, if it trickled down more to the athletes, would there be as much concern over this? Well, a group of a group of athletes from Germany again, mm-hmm. so or the group of athletes from Germany again, have met with the IOC uh, leadership uh, in recent months in in the last two years or so last year, if I'm not mistaken and have presented their plans for an increase in money going to athletes from the Olympics. Um, Because the IOC is saying that 92% of its revenues go back into sports. 
But the athletes are saying that athletes personally do not benefit as much at the moment as they would be under a new plan, which would see funds also go directly to athletes rather than to the National Olympic Committee or to the International Federation, you know? This reminds me very much of what we deal with in the United States with college athletes and them not being able to have sponsors and not being able to get paid. And then Mm -hmm. the NCAA and the colleges make Mm -hmm. so much money on the backs of these athletes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you have to look at it from, from both ways. The college athlete is a different athlete from the professional athlete who takes part in the Olympics, but uh, there are restrictions to him as well. You know, I mean, Rule 40 is one such restriction. If I get, you know, they, they can say a shot putter, for example, who's number 15 in the world or 20 in the world, you know, who doesn't get a lot of publicity, but he could or she could get publicity for that 15-day period because he or she are their country's top shot putter and the, and the national broadcaster will broadcast that competition, then they're banking on, on that publicity to give them also a financial boost for that Olympic period because there's not many chances for them to return to the Olympics based on statistics. If an athlete or a company violates Rule 40 in the past, what's been the redress? What's the punishment? I mean, you do have um, ambush marketing during the Olympics. That's something that the IOC is, is always trying to crack down on. So you do have companies trying to associate themselves with the Olympics indirectly, in something that the IOC says, for example, is, is ambush marketing. You're trying to make money off a product you have not contributed to, but trying to reap the benefits from it. So, yeah, I mean, you do have cases in the run-up to the Olympics and during the Olympics with companies trying to, to find a way to associate themselves with the Games without contributing to, to them financially. So what do you think we'll see in Tokyo? Well, I, I think we're going to see a lot of enthusiasm, and I think uh, the Summer Olympics really need that after Rio. Uh, the, the, the Rio Olympics were, were the first ones on South American soil and, and, and all these new things at the time when they were awarded in 2009. But the financial situation turned pretty quickly, and it turned out to be a very difficult game both for local organizers and for the IOC. And obviously with all the scandals of alleged corruption and, and a lot of the people that were in charge at some point or another during the run-up to Rio, such as uh, Rio Governor Cabral, who's in prison, other people under investigation like Carlos Nuzman, head of the Brazilian Olympic Committee and an IOC member and, and chief organizer as well. So you, you, you really need to have games that will really shore up enthusiasm and get people involved. And, and uh, Tokyo seems to be that, you know, when you look at the figures of how many tickets they sold and how quickly they sold, how many volunteer applications they had and how many were turned down. So it is a country that actually loves the Olympics, and, and I expect that there will be considerable enthusiasm. Thank you so much, Carlos. You can follow Carlos on Twitter at Carlos Groman, at K-A-R-O-L-O-S-G-R-O-H-M-A-N-N, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes.
Carlos was so interesting. He was. And we've got some really great things for our Patreon. Exactly. We do have some Patreon audio that's going up pretty quickly. Um, Carlos, one of the first things we talked with him about, because I was really dying to know this since he was based partially in Athens, was what were the Athens Olympics venues like now? And was it really as bad as we've seen in the news? And he gave us the inside scoop on all of that. So if you are a Patreon patron, look for that audio coming to you very shortly. And if you are not a Patreon patron, you can check us out at patreon.com slash olimfever. We have uh, sponsorship levels for a variety of budgets, and some of them include bonus audio, but every level has different perks that come with it. So we really appreciate the financial support you give to the show, which helps keep our flame alive. And if you don't want to be a Patreon patron, which that is like an ongoing uh, sponsorship. If you'd like to make a one-time donation, please visit our website, olimfever.com, and click on the support button. We've got a link to PayPal going on right now that you can lend your support that way as well. And, and we have no Rule 40 we have to follow with our sponsors. <laughs> that is we correct. can mention you anytime we want. <laughs> I'm waiting oh. for the lawsuits. Yes. So before we taped, we talked briefly about the NOCs are going to have to come out with the rules for the Rule 40 uh, mm-hmm. changes sooner rather than later. When are these going to come out and, and how is this going to affect athlete sponsorships going into Tokyo? Right. And I was really fascinated with was the fact that because Germany had made a ruling, that kind of paves the way for the entire European Union, too. Because if one country has it, the other countries need to have it as well. So, yeah, and I'm sure that athletes and sponsors are all trying to to get their deals finalized for Tokyo because it is such a big uh, Olympics. It will be huge in the press, I think, because of just because of the demand that's been happening worldwide. It's going to be such a global event that I don't think that we've seen for a while I think it'll, even with World Cups that have gone on, I think that the Olympics is just going to transcend that in terms of coverage and awareness. And Tokyo in and of itself is such a huge market. Right. It's it's different. So, yeah. Avery Brundage is rolling in his grave, <laughs> and I don't mind. Well, let's move on to our Team Olympic Fever update. TOFU is the acronym for a Team Olympic Fever update. And for listeners who are newer, Team Olympic Fever are all of the guests who have been on our previous shows. So if you come on this this show, you're automatically a member of Team Olympic Fever, and we pay attention to what you do, and we cheer for you when you're competing, or we uh, support your projects when you're publishing books or working on films and things like that. We love our people. We do love our people. And one of those people we love is Dr. Victoria Jackson, who I saw this on Twitter, and this is so cool. She is part of an ESPN docuseries that is commemorating 150 years of American college football. So it's a huge year-long project with a docuseries, a podcast, and there's more. And so she's been in at least the first episode, which is called Football is Us, the college game. Huh. Very cool. It is very cool. Our loser, Shiva Keshavan, was recently named the president of the Olympians Association of India. 
which is so exciting. This is the um, this is a group in India that is the primary support in the face of all Indian Olympians globally, and they ensure that the, their Olympians get the recognition and respect and dignity they deserve. So, they have a bunch of programs and welfare schemes and benefits for their Olympians, and they just want to make sure they're taken care of beyond their Olympic as Olympians and beyond their Olympic career. So this is very exciting. When we talked to Shiva, uh, when he was still competing, this was where he was going. He had such a passion for sport in India and the, the way sport is handled there and taking care of the athletes. So this is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited for him. I think he's, you know, step one to more great things. And really, I think he's going to just change a lot of, the way the Olympics are organized within India. I want him to be IOC president someday. Do you? Oh. I really do. Wouldn't he be fantastic? Oh, my gosh. Mr. He he would be diplomatic, man. Oh, my God. He would be so good. And then to have someone from the subcontinent. I mean, there's just so many Mm -hmm. layers to that. Right. That would make me happy. Just the fact that. And he's our friend. I know. (laughs) How fantastic would that be? Our uh, Team Olympic Fever, next Olympic hopeful rugby player, Lindsay Mayo. I was just checking in on her and on, on social. I didn't realize she was over in Ireland playing rugby for a while, it seems like. Uh, she's on, uh, on Instagram and on Twitter. She was uh, talking about how she was playing games and, and there for, it seems like, a few months. So congrats to her, her for, for getting, yeah. getting that opportunity. She's jumping in head first. Exactly. And getting some great Exactly. <laughs> getting some good experience. So there you go. The modern pentathlon world championships are going on this week and Samantha Achterberg is busy with those. She and Heidi H- Hendrick placed eleventh in the women's relay, and that is the second highest finish for Team USA in the relay since twenty thirteen. Nice. Very cool. Also, she's getting married at the end of the month. I know. I think when I saw that the world championships were coming up, I was so confused because I was like, aren't you getting married next month? <laughs> so she likes to pack it in. Yeah. Five well, events, a wedding and a world championships. You know, she likes things to be in bunches, apparently. <laughs> but I'm so excited. So looking forward to seeing pictures because it's going to be gorgeous. Very excited for her and her husband to be. Uh, Moving on to our Tokyo 2020 update. Along with uh, the one year to the Paralympics celebration, the organizing committee revealed the Paralympic medals, which I think they are lovely. I thought they were beautiful until I was driving in the car listening to the BBC and I heard about how Korea is actually going to submit an official protest on the design of the Paralympic medals because they say it resembles the rising sun flag of Imperial Japan, which made me so sad. It does make me sad. I think the medals are beautiful, but you have to respect that history and saying if this is a callback, I'm sure it was just, it's, completely incidental. I don't think any of that was ever intended. Right. Why? Right. But just that that is such a painful history. Mm-hmm. 
and you can't ignore that either. Not that I think that they're going to redesign the. No, I don't think they're going to redesign the metals, the metals either. But just to bring this into it is sad for everyone involved. Right. Right. And the metals do incorporate. It, it's got like a, a fan-like design on the metals, so they're they're there's a lot of contouring on them, and there's braille along the front and along the sides. On the the sides, it's really cool because the. The gold has one dot, the silver has two, and the bronze has three, so you can easily tell which metal is which. Which they've never done before, which made no sense to me. Like, how do you not have Braille on the Paralympic medals? Mm -hmm. Like, how did nobody think of that before? Right. So I'm so glad they're doing that now. Right. And you remember for Rio, they had different, they had steel balls on the inside, so you could shake it and you could hear what color the medals were. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. So... Yeah, they were there. The amount was based on the type of metal, so that when you shook it, they all made distinct sounds. That's clever. And then, yeah, that was also for visually impaired athletes to be able to use their other senses too. Well, that sounds, but that's way more complicated than just putting, you know, a braille dot. It's like, why are we going for the complicated <laughs> version of, you know, you've got you a Morocco medal? Make it fancy, but I thought that was a cool idea too. So, well, we will see what happens with this protest. For sure. Also, speaking of protests and controversy, more news on the boxing situation. An article from Inside the Games mentioned that Price Waterhouse Coopers, the professional services firm, who is also known in my world for also tallying the Academy Awards votes, they have been hired to help evaluate and select boxing judges for Tokyo 2020. Remember a couple of years ago where they had that whole controversy at the Oscars with the best oh, film? Oh, right, right, where they got the wrong envelope. Where they got the wrong envelope and they announced the wrong movies. I'm not sure if we should be trusting Price Waterhouse Coopers. <laughs> you wonder, boxing? but I mean, the, uh, the Academy Awards has been okay with them. Yeah, that's true. But boxing has been a mess. Right. Well, they're going to do some background checks on the potential referees and judges and just do a, a big overall audit. So hopefully that's a good measure to put in place. OK, I just got the image If boxing doesn't like it. Are they going to send the boxers <laughs> after the accountants? Because that's not fair. Oh. I'll hit you with my PowerPoint. Right. <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to stand up to a good right hook. TKO has a whole new meaning. <laughs> we should not be making fun of boxing's disaster no we shouldn't because they are still the organization is still going through a lot of turmoil so we just got to hope they, they can fix themselves i don't know still not going to stop us though. right right so continuing along the fighting sport realm uh, moving over slightly to martial arts the judo test event went very well oh and that was yes so um held in the home of judo and just you know that they know how to do it right and and if they didn't they oh, were they would figure hear. it out they would hear it yeah so that's not a sport they want to screw up in tokyo right so the test event was also the international judo federation's world championships and went off very well so Excellent. that's also good for the organizing committee finally in tokyo 2020 news they opened their new Olympic Museum in Tokyo. So is this going to be covering the 64 and 2020, or is it just 
what is this actually going to so, entail? You know, I, in the old Olympic Stadium, there was a museum that had like, you know, kind of like the museum in Lake Placid with a bunch of torches and podium and all this other Olympic stuff from Japan. And when they took down the new, took down the old stadium and had to rebuild it, well, obviously, I would feel safe to assume that the museum also shut down at that time. So now the museum is opening again. It will officially open on September 14th, and it is located near the main stadium for uh, the Olympics and Paralympics. Okay, so this is going to be kind of the Japanese right, Olympic right. museum overall, so mm-hmm. not just the events that they've hosted, exactly. but also They'll, how they also, participate so, it. Right, so they have a bunch of torches. They've got posters for the 1940 Olympics that Japan was supposed to host, or that to- didn't work out yeah, that well. Yeah, no, it didn't. They also have um, some interactive displays where visitors can uh, do some shooting and ski jumping. That's for us. Right? Can you jump and shoot at the same time and I be like James Bond? Think, oh my gosh, that would be so cool. I think we've just invented a new sport. <laughs> and it could be like, you know how... The the new sports in the, the Winter Olympics all have what what's the song that they're going out with for their slope style runs or whatever. You just what would James song Bond be? James Bond song do you want? Do 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 oh go with the classic. Well so that you can jump obvious. and shoot at the same time. <laughs> and do it sideways and they shoot and they always air it in slow mo so you look extra cool. <laughs> And they have potential. a martini at the bottom waiting Has for potential. you. I talked to the Nordic combined. Maybe they'll add it. There you go. It could be Nordic really combined. Combined again. Exactly. Recombined. <laughs> Combine this. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I think on that note, I, I think Allison is ready to go practice her, her new sport. So we should. Hey, if you're not careful, I'll break out into Goldfinger. I'm like oh, sure. Oh, 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 oh. Bassey waiting to happen. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, let's let's hold that for next week. Okay. <laughs> Could make a gold medal finger. Ooh. I have a whole plan. I'll do just, my sport do, just, in the evening now. Gold medal. Telling you, I my want sports you uniform. around my neck. <laughs> I'm not even going to justify that singing. <laughs> I'm just going to go that's bedazzle fine. my ski jumping suit because I'm I'm jumping in bedazzled. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, we have we have a lot of stuff to do. So, on that note, we will wrap it up for this week and catch you back here next week with more Olympics stories. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Avery Brundage is rolling in his grave, (laughs) and I don't mind.